0: As we start thinking this morning, I have a question. How much of your identity is tied to what you do? How much of your identity and who you are is tied to what you do? Who you are. For me, I know um, I'm a father, um, I'm a minister. Those are parts of my identities. For 18 years of my life, I was a baseball player. I was an athlete. And I loved that part of my identity. Um, for you, maybe it's, I'm a mom. Um, not me personally, but you. Um, I'm a grandma, mother. Um, I'm a, an employee. I'm a boss. I'm a citizen. There, there are so many things that define and help shape our identity. So there's the side of the, the question, what is it that you do that defines who you are? But then there's another side of this question, How much of your identity is tied to what you have done? And that can be both positive and it can be negative, right? There's the positive things that I've done in my past, and those things shape and define who I am, but then there's also maybe the negative things that define us. Maybe the mistakes that we've made, the places that we've gone that define who we are that maybe fill us with shame or regret or hurt or pain. But so much of our identity is tied to things that have happened to us, things that we've done, things that we've experienced. There was a man who had two sons. And the younger son went to his father, and he said, Father, give me my share of the inheritance. And so his father divided up his inheritance between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, and he set off for a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth on wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the land. And he began to be in need. And so he went and he sold himself out, hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent himself into his fields to feed his pigs. He longed. To fill his stomach with the foods the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. After he came to his senses, he thought to himself, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and I will go back to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was a long way off, his father saw him. And he was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to him. And he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. And his son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he is found. Meanwhile, the older brother, who had been out in the fields working, came near the house. And when he heard the music and dancing, he called to one of the servants and asked what was going on. The servant said to the brother, your brother has come home, and your father has killed the fattened calf to celebrate, because he has him back safe and sound." the older brother became angry and refused to go in. And so his father went out to greet him. And he said to his father, look, all these years I have been slaving for you, and never once have I disobeyed your orders, yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. And yet this son of yours who squandered your wealth on prostitutes come home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son... You are always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad. Because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. It's a story that Jesus tells as a parable. A parable that we've maybe heard hundreds and hundreds of times growing up in church, but it seems the more I hear it, the more questions come to mind. The more things that that I wonder, why did the Father give Him His estate? Why did He give Him His inheritance now? Why does the younger son leave And the older son stay. Why does the older son respond the way he does? What if we've missed the point of the story? What if the story is not really about a lost son, but rather two lost sons? One son who gets up and leaves the father and is obviously lost, and yet another who stays home and doesn't even realize that he's lost. What if the story is not really even about the sons, but instead the incredible, lavish love of the father? The father who loves the younger son, who takes what he has given and wastes it, and a younger son who stays home and thinks he has earned the father's love. One who comes back begging for forgiveness, Another who thinks it's His because of the work He's done. One goes on this path of self-discovery trying to figure out who He is. Another sticks to the path of moral conformity thinking that He's earned everything that He has and everything He deserves because of what He has done. And what I find interesting in the story is both sons find themselves on the outside of the father's house looking in. The younger son who's run off and wasted everything longing to come home. And the older son who's a part of the father's house the whole time. And yet now feels like he does not have a place at the table. One son who obviously needs grace, and another son who does not even realize the level of grace that he needs. And I wonder as you hear the story of this prodigal son that we've all heard probably many times, what son do you identify with? Do you identify with the younger son who's got a past and had made mistakes and run off from the father? Do you identify more with the younger son who has done so many things right that you feel like you belong, that you have a place, that grace is given to you based on what you have done because you have earned the father's love? And what I find amazing in this story is for both, joy is fleeting. Because joy is completely dependent on things and people outside of themselves. For the younger son, it's based on what you could do with what you have. And when what you have runs out, when you run into a dead end, when you hit rock bottom, joy is nowhere to be found. And yet for the older son, who's worked and worked and done and said everything right, is not acknowledged for his work by the Father the way he feels he should. feels he's incapable of celebrating his brother's return. Do you identify more with the older son? or the younger son? Because the problem is the older son And he didn't listen to his father's advice. And he didn't do what he knew he probably should do. And yet an older son who resents not only the brothers coming home, but his welcome embrace from the Father. It it seems like we find ourselves in one of two camps. Knowing that we need... and. badly need the grace of God to save us. And feeling like we have it all together. And we have earned and deserve God's grace. Because what we have done. And for one, it's so easy to acknowledge the need for grace. Because it's visible, it's tangible, you can touch it, you can feel it, you can hold it, you can see it. But for the other, it's this paradigm that they've created in their mind. That this is what it looks like to be a child of God. To work my way into the good grace and favor of the Father. One son falling on his knees before the Father and yet another son feeling like he does not need to fall on his knees. Both seem to want what the Father has more than they want the Father. Both want what the Father has. His inheritance, His blessing, His acceptance, His love, His freedom. And in in that way, they view the Father as a means to an end. To get where they're going. To get what they need. You see, and the problem with the story is that both buy into a story that's a lie. For one son, the younger son, he buys into the story that I have sinned against my Father And I'm no longer worthy to be his son, and so I need to go back and work to earn his trust, to earn his love, to earn his inheritance back. It's a story he tells himself. And by the way, a story that the father cuts short. And yet the older son tells himself a story as well. I deserve this. I belong here. I have earned it. I have a place in the Father's house because the Father has seen what I have done. What son, what daughter do you tend to identify with? What is it about your identity and who you are that shapes the way that you see yourself, that shapes the way that you see in the world, that's based on what you do? That's based on where you've been? Because for both sons, the younger son who has run off and wasted all he had, And the older son, who feels like he's earned everything and deserves everything he has, the father invites both to come to the feast. He invites both to come and have a seat at the table. He says, Both belong here, not because of what you have done, not because of where you have been but because of who You are. You are My child. And You are welcome at the feast. You belong not because of what You've done. And not because of where You have been. And not because You have come home. You belong because You are My child and You are loved by the Father. When I was in high school, I went to my parents and I said, Mom, Dad, give me my allowance. And, and it was a little bit of a different take because my parents basically took care of me. They gave me what I wanted, when I wanted, for the most part. That's why I'm a spoiled, rotten brat, my wife would say, right? She's not here. She has a sick kid. She's at home being selfless mom on Mother's Day. But I, I went to my parents and I said, Give me my allowance. And when I wanted to go to the movies growing up, my parents would say, well, here's some money. If I want to go hang out and go to eat with friends, here's some money. And my mom and dad said, well, this, this is a great deal. Yeah, we'll give you an allowance. And I think they gave me something like 40 bucks. They said, we'll give you 40 bucks a month. But you have to manage that, and when you're out, that's it for the month. Great, this is awesome. And so week one, I spent everything. And I went back to my parents and I was like, "Um, yeah, about that, I want to go somewhere with my friends and go, well, you're out of money. And, And quickly I said, you know, this allowance thing wasn't such a great idea. Let's just go back to the way things were, where you just took care of me and where you took care of my needs and got me what I wanted and needed at the time. Because somewhere in my mind, there was this idea that there was something better. That, that I could make things work differently. And that I could have greater blessing with this new way, with this new life, where I could be responsible, and I could take care of myself. Not really trusting that what my parents had been doing the whole time was really blessing me. And I wonder how much of our life is spent in this in-between. As we try to make it on our own, as we try to find our own way, or as we think we've been good enough and we've earned it and we deserve it, I wonder if there's a better story I wonder if the story that you tell yourself is that I've got to come back to the father and earn his trust and earn his love because you have no idea where I've been and what I've done. I need to come back. Or maybe the story you tell yourself is that at least I'm not like them because I've never wandered away from the father. And I've been here every week as the doors are open and I've never disobeyed. But maybe there's a better story. Not that there's some good in both stories. But the better story that would shape our identity and how we see ourselves and how we see the world. That you are a child of the king, that the father loves you unconditionally, that the father has been waiting for you to come to him so he could embrace you, that the father, no matter what, is still inviting you to come and have a seat at the table because you belong. What if the story was never really about the son or the sons in the first place? What if the story was always meant to be about the father? Here's the word prodigal. It means one who spends lavishly and foolishly. And we say this is the story of the prodigal son, the one who runs away and spends lavishly and foolishly. But what if the true prodigal in the story is not the son who runs away from home? Or the son who stays home? But what if the true prodigal of the story is the father? The father who spends lavishly and foolishly on the children that he loves. Who will give all that he has to embrace and pursue his people because he loves them. And if you think that's a stretch, there's a story in the Old Testament. A prophet named Hosea. And God comes to Hosea and He says, Hosea, I want you to go and I want you to marry this prostitute and you're going to fall madly in love with her and you're going to have a family with her but right after you have a family with her she is going to run off and she's going to go back to other men and chasing prostitution. But just when that happens I want you to chase after her and I want you to give everything to go and win her back. Because you love her unconditionally. Because this relationship is going to represent my relationship with Israel, who is chased after gods and prostitutes. But yet I have still loved and pursued them unconditionally. And so Hosea goes. And he marries Gomer. And they start a family. And just as God said, she will run off chasing after other men. Unfaithful to her husband. Unfaithful to the vows that she has made. And God comes to Hosea as He's talking about the children of Israel. Talking to Hosea about this pursuit And here's what God says about the people of Israel. He says, therefore, I'm now going to allure her. I'm going to lead her into the wilderness and I will speak tenderly to her. That this loving Father would go and chase after that which was lost. That which was searching that was needing a home. And he says to Hosea, go. I want you to go and find Gomer. And I want you to give anything necessary to bring her back because you love her. And that is how my love for Israelists. We follow a God who says, I don't care where you have been. I don't care where you are right now. I don't care how good you think you have been. I don't care if you've done everything right. You are still invited to come and trust. In the identity that I am giving you, you are a child of the Father, and you are dearly loved. One of the saddest things about my job is I talk to people all the time who feel like they don't deserve God's grace because of their story. Because of their past. Because of the way they see their identity has been shaped by what they have done. By who they are. Who who feel like a second class citizen. Like someone who does not belong. Like a foreigner in a foreign land. But this morning, Would you hear the words of the Father? You are always with me. And everything I have is yours. And it's an invitation. Not just simply to a younger son to come home. but the older son who's been home the whole time and been telling themselves a story that's just as big of a lie, that you need to earn your place here. Talk to people who will come from other churches who say that we weren't allowed to be there anymore because of the mistakes of our past. And I want you to know, there is a place for you here. That some other churches, that might be their message, but know and understand this, that is not God's message. You are welcomed, and you are embraced, and you are invited to the feast. And the Father welcomes you with open arms. Come as you are. And He will not leave you as you are. He wants you to experience His love. And His love through the power of His Spirit at work in you will transform and change who you are. And it's not that you will be a child of the King because of what you have done it's that you will start to live like a child of the King because of the grace that you have found. Come. You are welcome here. There is a place for you here. You belong. Not because I have invited you. Not because our shepherds or our church has invited you. You belong because you are invited by the Father. Welcome. Welcome home. And if you've never heard that message from the voice of God, please today hear those words. You are welcome, and you belong. Based on nothing else, but the fact the Father calls you His child. Come home. And so this morning we invite you. We invite you, if you've wandered away, to come back to the Father and experience His embrace. And if maybe you've never left home and you find yourself thinking you've earned it, we invite you to come home. And if you've been here the whole time and you think you have it all together, we invite you to come home and come to the feast and experience the lavish love of the Father who is willing to go to any lengths to show His love to His children. Father, we thank You. We thank You for this gift, this invitation to come to You, to be made whole. And Father, we embrace Your invitation. We're so grateful for what Jesus has done in our life and through our life. And Father, we pray that we would never find ourselves thinking that we earn or deserve that grace. But Father, that we all stand on even ground at the foot of the cross. We all are sinners saved by grace. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his love. We pray this in his name. Amen.